0: You know, fragmentation is a very interesting topic to me. Specifically, that it is a very overloaded term because now, when I say fragmentation, do I mean disk fragmentation? If you grew up in the 90s, you've probably seen. You know hard drives and options in the os to defragment your drive i'm not really talking about that per se nor that i'm talking about fragmentation at layer 3 on the ip packet where if an ip packet that is of size i don't know 1500 bytes encountered a router with a smaller MTU maximum transfer transfer unit for any reason then the router will chop that large uh, IP packet into a smaller' what call fragments based on the offset of where the bytes are. you know I'm not talking about that time from fragmentation. I'm talking about fragmentation in memory and uh, I'm working on a, on a new course, an operating system course and that's where where things for me started to you know uh, ignite more interest because how critical is fragmentation in memory I want to answer a few questions on this podcast like what is the fragmentation in memory what is external fragmentation? what is internal fragmentation and is is it really... That's the most question that I can't find answered in the internet, you know? I actually did find one article from Yale from until 2010 that actually discusses this exact topic. And the question is, if I put my data, right, in a different places in RAM, is there a cost for reading a block of memory that let's say an array that i know is contiguous but it is physically not contiguous on the ram right it is chopped off and placed it plays in multiple physical location different rows and columns in, in the D, uh, in the ddr ram is there a cost to reading that and jumping between one uh, uh one Place in memory to another place? That's the question I'm trying to answer. And I I think I'm 99% there. How about we jump into it and, and discuss this? Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on back-end technologies if you enjoy the show make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel and rate it on spotify and apple podcast with that said let's get on the show welcome to the back engineering show with your host Hussein nasser and today's topic is fragmentation in memory you see when when i when i allocate a certain memory my process says hey i want a thousand bytes and i want this necessarily memory is always contiguous next to each other that's the rule right? now when i say contiguous in memory virtual memory kind of breaks this rule because it can present you with a thousand bytes that is contiguous from byte zero to byte 999 but it can play tricks on the back end no pun intended that it will it will swizzle that it will trick you all right yeah virtually you have a thousand contiguous but but physically they are all over the place for one reason or another i don't have memory i I, my memory is fragmented which i'll come to and it's it's overall the place so that the 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 contiguous memory is is a rule that comes to the operating uh, to to the process itself to the request no but implementation can differ so now if i say hey give me this thousand memory You know, allocation of this memory is critical. Throwing all the rules out out of the door, how would you implement such strategy to allocate memory? Well, you really have one option is, um, allocate exactly the amount of memory that the client asked you. And when I say client here, I mean the process or the thread, of execution right and it's asking you they're asking basically what the the kernel to allocate the memory right the operating system to allocate this memory for you right and you you can you can abstract this idea to anything really you can build your own memory um you know management system and you have a client and a back end and the client request memory through our http request right it's, that's fine like, like redis uh, hey I'll, I'll locate this memory for me right and uh, that's the idea there is a client that requests certain memory and then you can so so this is the, this is the first approach give me exactly what i asked for i asked for a thousand give me exactly thousand i asked for 10 kilobyte give me exactly 10 kilobyte one megabyte give me exactly one megabyte what's wrong with this approach well this approach uh, is efficient because you're exactly given what you're asked for but i want you to imagine fast forward through the play just play it out imagine thousands of processes one requesting three bytes one requesting 10 bytes one requested one megabyte one requested 10 megabytes one requesting 10 kilobytes and there's there's this this the memory will be allocated in order you know whatever first come first serve in very in the order that that comes in and then eventually processes will terminate and they will deallocate so what will happen is the three byte uh, process will deallocate the 10 kilobyte process will deallocate uh the 10 megabyte maybe lives a little bit longer the the three the, the 10 bytes will live a little bit longer and what will happen eventually is like this nice used memory all of a sudden now we'll have patches in the middle right it's like oh there's like a three bytes free memory now oh now we have like a one byte here oh there's like a 10 kilobyte here oh there is like one kilobyte here That's and you will have these patches in the middle right and these patches unfortunately are very what's the word very tedious because uh, what are you gonna do with this three byte patch that is a free memory the possibility that someone another process will ask for a three byte is so low that this three byte will remain three byte unallocated absolutely useless in the middle of your memory yucks right and that's what we call external fragmentation because looking externally right you're, you're uh, y- you have memory right but they are all over the place like oh you have 10 bytes here five bytes here uh 10 bytes here and so if someone genuinely let's say like you you filled up all this ram right and someone wants a one megabyte guess what you absolutely have one megabyte you actually have maybe 20 or 30 or 40 megabytes but guess what you don't have one megabyte of contiguous memory anymore you don't have that because it's all over the place right so you cannot allocate memory with this approach uh because it's all over the place now virtual memory actually solves this problem right but we're gonna come to that in a way that it doesn't really use this approach. No, uh, th- this this on-demand dynamic allocation is uh, is frowned upon because it's unpredictable. Right? So, so that's the problem with external fragmentation. You have you have memory, but you cannot possibly allocate it. You Not. Know, Let's say you cannot easily allocate. So what 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 people did is all right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna solve this problem in two ways. Right? First of all, there's no this monkey business that you can if you ask me for a thousand, I'm not gonna give you a thousand. I'm gonna give you a fixed block. And it may be more than what you need it's almost always more than what you need right so if you let's say i'm my fixed block size is a one thousand bytes 1024. if you ask for a thousand i'm gonna give you that one block if you ask for a thousand and one i'm gonna give you two blocks one block you're gonna probably use all the second blocks you're gonna go only use one byte and you're gonna you're gonna have nine nine hundred ninety nine uh, empty space. Now you just you just created another problem, and this is this is the this is the life that we're living uh, currently, right? Uh, human beings, everything we solve, we always create other problems. Always, always, always. There is no exception to this everything you create there's always a side effect to it everything you can think of anything there's always a side effect right and uh, i'm not gonna philosophize here but but just think about it a a little bit it's very interesting if you think about it so now you have another problem where you created something called internal fragmentation now you have a space but guess what view as the operating system you have no control because you gave this block this guy something that more than they, what they need now what they what do you what, what you got as a result as a side effect of this is, is a is a nice block sizes so if i allocated some deallocated something I have fixed size of memory, so these patches still exist, but they are more manageable, and they are more useful. Right? Furthermore, virtual mer- memory can actually thrive here. Now I can create a mapping table that says, "Hey, uh, this block." Uh, you allocated this block as a logical block but physically it's this block and you create a mapping table we call the page table right and with virtual memory now you can allocate certain amount of memory even if it's not contiguous you say hey i want 10 megabytes and of course virtually i'm going to give you a virtual address that looks contiguous from zero to whatever ten thousand, but i don't have that i don't have the luxury to give you all of that in in one contiguous physically right in 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 the ram they are not physical i have a, a free block over here i have two free blocks over here i have 10 free, free blocks over here and then what we do is we fill up these blocks says so all right uh, Block number one, logically, is actually physical block number 917. Block number two is block ten uh, thousand and one and ten thousand and two, And this block is this block. And then you start mapping it. Very, very creative. You know, virtual memory is a beautiful design, indeed. You know, there's, of course, a cost that <laughs> comes with it. No come to that. So now you've filled up you solved technically solved external fragmentation remember what was the problem with external fragmentation we have a space but we absolutely have no way to fill up these gaps in the middle these patches i don't i cannot use them well with the fixed block size and paging essentially and you know virtual memory of course you have to virtualize things now you can fill up these gaps you can reuse these gaps very nice right furthermore with uh, my favorite word today is furthermore so moreover let's change it a little bit <laughs> what what you do is even if you don't have space now that because now you have this physical block that is just well known well defined. i can swap it back to disk say hey you've been consuming this memory but you don't really use it much huh i know you you need it in the future but i'm gonna save it to disk in a swap area here's here's a space in disk i'm gonna write it back here i'm gonna remember that you need those the, this is in your virtual memory table the page table i'm gonna point to that swap space hey if you ever need it, it's right there okay but that physical space is released for other more important you know, urgent processes then need memory. And then you, you, you the next time you access this it, like, minute, where is my mapping? You will say, oh, there is no mapping anymore. There is no physical block that maps to my virtual block. So you would detect it. Oh, someone swapped this to disk. Page fault, that's what's called page fault. And then things happen and you read it back well you know you don't do anything as a process it's just oh the operating system does all that and then read it back and then just put it and it does not put it back in the same physical space no 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 you don't care right it's gonna put it somewhere else and update the mapping table to point to these new physical pages very beautiful design indeed i absolutely love it now it does, however, solve external fragmentation. We don't have that problem anymore, right? But we do have a problem with internal fragmentation. Now, the page size actually matters. Like, how much do you allocate? What is this fixed size thing that you're talking about? Is it 4 kilobyte? That's the default, by the way, 4 kilobyte. Well, if I allocate 4 kilobyte and my processes are really efficient and only is like few bytes okay like, hey, i just need a few bytes here three bytes here right and operating systems are pretty smart like if you i look at three and then you look at another three bytes and look at five bytes it's gonna still reuse the same block of memory it's not gonna like allocate a whole brand new block for you right so they're smart but still some processes are not hungry and they're not uh, as we say in Arabic, shereh you know there's no affinity in in these processes so they they use global memory so larger blocks they they call huge pages you know uh, waste increase internal fragmentation on the opposite side you know uh, database systems i would say will benefit with larger memory page sizes you know huge pages no and I, I can't i can't remember what's the huge page size no four kilobytes more than that it's like could be a meg meg if I'm not mistaken all right so because because database systems like most of the database system is caching right you hey I'm gonna look at all these shared buffers and put it in memory okay? I don't want to allocate like small tiny blocks like, there's a lot of management and mapping and oh there's all stuff I don't want any of this I want just like massive huge nice chunk of page give me ugh, map so the mapping records decrease, right? The mapping table will decrease naturally. But that's not our topic. Our topic is internal fragmentation. So now the more the page size, the more these gaps inside the page will be wasted. And, and there is absolutely no way the operating system knows that, oh, you only use 10 of this. Maybe there is, but most of the time, it's like, hey, you, I allocated this for you. Maybe in the future, you're going to use it. So the OS is not going to touch it. So chances with paging, we increase the fragmentation as well. But it's oh now it's internal. It's internal to this block, this black box that we allocated. Internally, there are fragments all over the place, but it's internal. Now, Memcached has beautifully solved this problem. Fantastic fantastically solved this problem Memcached, no who created Memcached? was it facebook right this this sagar guy no when he doesn't do all this uh monkey business with uh, what is it called this uh, web3 or or this vr stuff he actually designed good really good systems but now he's just off doing all this uh you know weird things No, but yeah so what 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 they did is they created this idea of slabs and they broke down the slabs into smaller and smaller memory so now they basically outsourced the uh, idea of memory management completely to a low level such that even if you have internal fragmentation you don't have that problem anymore because they manage objects in its, its smaller forms and they have like different size of chunks i th- i believe they call it and if you release something they release that object but it's still allocated to the operating system that memcached just allocated the whole thing but then memcached as a software broke down all this memory allocation and assigned it state if you will so they all this object is allocated I made a whole course about uh, memcached if you want if you're interested it's also on the free code camp website go check it out but yeah, very brilliant design so they solved internal fragmentation at the application level so that's very interesting but now let's come to the final question which is uh, the cost of virtual memory you know especially by solving external fragmentation by having us map through different location physically, I allocate an array. I allocate a, 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 you know, a slab of memory, a thousand bytes, but physically they are even maybe in different dims altogether, different DDR RAMs. You know, there's like here and here and here. And with time, they are all over the place. Now, to talk about this, we need to talk about how the CPU actually read data from ram uh, cpu doesn't really read one byte at a time no the the uh, the ddr control i'm talking about like you know double data rate ram this is the final you know the latest and greatest technology ddr5 uh, the minimum thing you can read is 64 bytes you know you make a request you want to read an instruction from memory or you want to read one byte out of specific address of a physical address no way you can get one byte it's a waste of time to get one byte the minimum you can get is 64 you can get more if you want but 64 is what you get just like it 64 bytes and that matches nicely the cache line on the L1 uh cache on the CPU core itself so you read 64 byte so guess what now now back to ca- our beautiful caching we are back in engineering we know this stuff you know if i read something and i ask for the first byte you know and i got 64 bytes then the next thing that i want to read is actually next to it is actually physically next to it the next byte to it. guess what it's an l1 cache beautiful five nanoseconds very fast but that 64 byte from memory that's a what a hundred nanosecond i think 50 to 100 nanoseconds i know it's 100 nanoseconds it's still fast but on the grand scheme of things it's uh, you know it's a it's it's uh, it takes ages to create that 100 nanosecond so now imagine this and that 100 second the 100 nanosecond is literally is the most important the cost of it is to open what is called the row in the ddr ram you know a row This is how our ram is consisting of there is the bank right i think it's called the bank there's the rank and then there is uh rows and columns that's what uh rams are consisting of you know and a row have around about uh, 1,024 columns on average, you know, and when you actually want to read and the column actually has the value and each column will have, I think, 64 bit, you know, which is what, eight bytes. Each column has eight bytes, eight byte, eight byte, eight bytes. So technically, modern RAMs, a full row has around eight kilobytes, you know, 8,000 bytes. No, give or take. That 100 nanosecond that we talked about is the cost of opening that entire row. If you want to take one byte or the whole 8,000, you're going to pay the 100 nanosecond cost to open this whole row. And there's electronics that I'm not very, really, honestly, I'm not very really familiar with, but that's the rule here. No, opening that row, just to read from that, it gives you the you get access to a whole eight kilobyte. And that kilobyte is, is not sent to the CPU. It's actually put in the raw buffer in the RAM itself. It's actually a raw buffer in the RAM uh, controller, the, the memory controller in the DDR RAM. So now you have a cached eight kilobyte. Think about that. And now you read only 64 byte. Good, that's the minimum. And you use the bytes, use 64 bits. Byte, you know, use the uh, use the next one, and, and then use the 64 byte. And then you until you're done, all the 64 byte, all of this nicely cached. You never actually go back to the run But then you say, all right, we talk about contiguous memory, right? If it's everything is physically contiguous, that eight kilobyte back to the eight kilobyte, I want a thousand bytes that are contiguous. All right, 64. All right, give me the next 64 byte. You sending that request to get the next 64 byte is is a signal to the uh, to the DEM, you know? The dual module, I forgot what it's called. Dual inline memory module. And you say, oh, give me the next 64 byte. Guess what? That 190 nanoseconds is gone. You don't need to do it because it's cached in the RAM. There is a row buffer with all this beautiful stuff in the same row. You asked for that row. It's the same row. I'm asking for the same row. It's the same address physically located. So now that's a cost. There's like a nanosecond here and there, but no cost. Physical contiguous is a good thing. And you consume the 64 byte and then you do it again. And you cache it and you cache it and you do the next 64 byte. So that's beautiful contiguous memory. Now take the concept of virtual memory where things is completely scattered. I've, again, it's 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 the worst case worst case scenario where things are scattered, not necessarily. But let's take a scenario where my virtual memory looks contiguous to me. Of course, there's the cost of translation between the virtual memory to physical memory, and the TLB and all that stuff that I'm not going to talk about. But there's a mapping that needs to be done, and this mapping is done in the I think it's the page table. It says, "Yo, this RAM, uh, this." frame this block that you reserved actually in this physical memory so you you ask for that address you take the hit of the 100 nanosecond and then you consume the 64 byte and then all of a sudden uh your next thing that you need is actually a completely different physical address you mapped you change the you you change the virtual you know, memory mapping, and then all of a sudden, oh, this is a completely physical address. It's a completely different place, completely different bank, the free complete row, different different column altogether. So now what you do is like you send that other request, So, Oh, you know what? Never mind. I want this next 64 bit. What where, where is it? Oh, it's, it's here. Okay. So you send it to the RAM. It says, all right, no, you gotta wait, dude. I need to close that old row and open this new row. You just took a hit. Another hundred nanosecond. And then you you do it again, and after a few reads, maybe you will you're lucky everything is continuous, maybe you're not, and everything is like it's a different place. Another hundred nanosecond. Another hundred nanosecond. Nobody talks about this because it's it is so minuscule, but I want to shed light on it. It adds up. You know, if you're reading all over data from all over the RAM, physically all over the RAM, I don't care about virtual memory. They fragmentation in this case, external the cause of external fragmentation, which we solved with virtual memory, created additional degradation, if you will. These hundred nanoseconds. Now you might say, Hussein, oh, you're exaggerating uh not really because the the caches are large we're gonna cache all this stuff yeah i read here i read here i'm gonna take it in the beginning but then the caches will fill up uh we have beautiful large l3 caches l2 caches l1 caches well it's all about that but this comes the same thing that i'm talking about with back in engineering we always solve things in a i don't know it's a it's not an elegant solution you know we're just ignoring the problem by, by throwing money at it, you know? Why don't we build efficient software? So now, of course, I'm not proposing any solution. I'm not criticizing anything here. I'm just stay, stating it the way it is. There is cost. And, and just shedding light on this is so, you know, refreshing. It's a refreshing thing to to understand how things work, you know? And we don't really care about this thing because like, it's so minuscule, but it can add up, you know? Especially it can add up for, you know, large code bases. You know, uh, I know this is still in discussion, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. MySQL 8 versus MySQL 5. People are still, you know, flabbergasted or why MySQL 8 has a huge performance performance you know degradation. there is a lot of regression with eight compared to five. Now just slow down all of a sudden. And there's one theory that goes on and I'm we're not saying gonna say hundred percent that's true but that's that's from a one MySQL developer that, that an X mySQL developer that that here's his theory. it says all right, MySQL 8, added massive code base they increase the code base you know exponentially there is a lot of lines of code which essentially because code lives in memory right and if you execute something says all right i want to execute this piece of code the piece of code lives in memory right and lives well in virtual memory okay which then the CPU needs, the MMU to be specific in CPU, needs to translate that portion to the physical memory. And that's called the, a, ma- a page entry mapping, you know? And that translation is actually, you know, stored because that translation technically is stored in memory also. It's called the page table. It says, all right, this virtual memory address in this process is actually uh, this physical memory address in in, in this memory, right? And there's like a mapping, this page is this page, this page, is this page, it's like, it's actually just, it's a very tiny, you know, it's a very efficient way of storing things. They're storing just the numbers, like, oh, this logical, this virtual page, because in virtual space, we're always going from zero until whatever the number is, you know, four gigabytes or even more than that, right? But physical memory is just, it's a, it's a one contiguous large thing. For processes, they always start from zero or one or whatever, right? The virtual memory space is identical for all processes but the mapping is different you know and that's where what makes virtual memory really attractive so now back to this mysql 8 they, they have a massive large code bases now if i read this again go back to the fragmentation concept you're reading something you put it in memory and then all of a sudden said, all right a, a function call happened and this function code is a completely 180 it's like that code lives somewhere completely different memory well you need to fetch that instruction and that fetching that instruction will require a memory read which which we of course hit through the row axis and ram and you take the 100 nanosecond and then that function calls another function and guess what that function is not next to each other the code is not next to each other because it's so large, it is scattered all over the space. So what happens is as you execute code, most of your time is spent, you know, mapping virtual memory to physical, because you're reading the page table, which is in memory to map, and you're caching those in something called the TLB, the uh, the translation look side buffer, you know, which maps, okay, this is this, this is this, this is this. But that, that memory, the tlb is also limited so as you store more mapping the old mappings are are you know are discarded from the tlb no and you you need to kind of invalidate these caches and stuff like that so so you're losing those if you're hit if your tlb cache is hit that's good because you don't need to go back to memory to read the mapping but if you miss there's a tlb miss and you have to go back to memory read it and then perhaps the tlb is full you have to you know it's an lru you have to discard the old stuff to make memory for the new one so you're spending time reading from all over this place and then translating and then executing code Yeah, you know? that's one theory the pay there's a lot of function calls because we we know like inlining kind of help right you want as you execute code you want the codes be to be nicely contiguous next to each other because for the same reasons we talked about Memory access next to each other beautifully, but if you keep that like, jumping, oh, call printf. Oh, printf is all over there. Okay, let's go there, fetch that memory, and it's going to be cached, sure. But then, if you have a lot of function calls, and those function calls are not next to each other physically, they might be next to each other virtually again, but they are not next to each other physically, and that will cause you you're reading cache misses cache eviction or cash and then you're you have another problem with multiprocessing which is like oh you have one core this is another core this core read something and changed the mapping and now this core is having the old TLB mapping so you need to shoot down the old TLB entry and use this a new one so this this thing is complex operating system as i make this course OS is one of the most complex you know pieces of software out there you know and then this scheduling then there is process you know context switches and yeah so that's a, that's another thing i wanted to discuss so we talked about fragmentation and fragmentation in memory as a summary there is external fragmentation where you have space but they are all over the place you know virtual memory solve this with paging which is fixed size allocation but then you have another problem introduced which is internal fragmentation those blocks unfortunately they have spaces we said okay we closed our eyes says, okay i don't care uh, who cares it's just space you know uh, but then even with external fragmentation we have the problem of fragmented c- what looks contiguous to you is actually fragmented in, in physical memory. And we talked about the cost of retrieving, why did I say this way, retrieving? Retrieving contiguous memory from uncontiguous or discontiguous fragmented physical locations. And that has a cost, you know? Just like the whole old hard drive thing that when I started this podcast, the hard drive has this needle and it's just moving around do, 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 from all the spread to, to read the data right that is of course way slower. that you're talking milliseconds right but now with ram you still have the cost right with with at least the, the ram we know it today around know? the, uh, the, the uh 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 right? is DRAM right it's called sdram no it's DRAM is the the synchronous one that's the fast one i'm talking about the asynchronous no, we're talking about synchronous RAM, yes, synchronous dynamic RAM, which is user, uses capacitors, which needs refreshing. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I don't know about, to be honest, I don't know about the the SSDs. I'm not really well versed about NAND technology in the SSDs. Is this the cost the same cost? Uh, how if I want to read uh, a block in in a specific place in the ssd versus a, a, at the end i'm not really traveling per se i'm sending the request even in the ram you're not really traveling even if you're accessing row one and row 1000 it's not about the travel speed it's about the opening and closing cost right we're opening the row you have to open all the columns and that takes time to you know refresh all the you know and do all the rammy stuff you know but in, in the NAND technology, it might be different. There is, is there a cost to, there's other costs to, of course, you know, SSDs and, you know, uh, you know, garbage collection and whatnot. And there is also a mapping in the SSDs to map between, you know, logical block addresses to physical block addresses. But that's not our topic. The fragmentation here in this particular case is, I don't think it's a problem per se in SSDs yeah because there is no this this cost of opening something in the net as far as i know i might be wrong though but, but yeah that's what i want to talk about fragmentation very interesting topic very uh rarely talked about so i wanted to throw it in here and, and you guys uh, uh call me out if i said something that you might disagree with and uh let's have a discussion what do you guys think let me know in the comment section below i'm gonna see you in the next one you guys stay awesome what is next